Hello everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of Sequelizers, the show all about fixing bad sequels to good movies. If there's a good movie that was followed by a bad sequel, we're going to try and fix it. I'm your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me are the two teams of titular Sequelizers. Our first team is comprised of Mr. Stuart Ashen. Hello. And Alec Plowman. Hello. And our second team, Matthew Stogden. Welcome to Earth. And Tom Martin. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. For this episode, we're going a lot more modern than we have. We've been all over the 80s, <laughs> dipped into the 90s, bit of the 70s. We're in 2016 for this terrible sequel. Mm. Independence Day Resurgence. Oh boy. And uh, yeah, 20 years in the making, a 5.3 on IMDb, mm. which is about in our ballpark. We've been around that sort of general It's score. extraordinarily generous, 5.3. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, did a lot worse on Rotten Tomatoes. Looking oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I think it's about a 12? 12% fresh. I think so. Uh, I, think, I think it's higher. It, I think it's about it? 30. Oh, it's, 30. it's still not. Okay. Still a bad look. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 thing, the interesting thing is, as we've, we've discussed previous, uh, previous to the recording, is that uh, Matt and I quite like the original film. Stuart, in particular, really does not like Independence I, yeah, Day. Yeah, I have a fundamental problem with this, which is that we're supposed to be fixing disappointing sequels to good films. I do not think Independence Day is a good film. As such, it's, Stuart will be asking us to leave the room. Yes. <laughs> I should be storming off he will into be a replaced, corner. He will be replaced by a box with the words Independence Day written on it. <laughs> Which is more entertaining <laughs> than the film. <laughs> so it's, it's really bad. It's what, just got do you, a couple what do you of not like about effects. Mostly State. the script and the dialogue, which makes me want to die. The I mean, storyline is also terrible. That's um, a bad thing about the second one as well. The, yeah. All of yeah. the dialogue is trash. I, I will say that, yeah, the sequel is actually far, far worse than the first yeah. one. I mean, it's, it's astonishing it got produced in that state, really, with that sort of budget. I think I think there were issues with I did a bit of reading around and I think there were issues with as a lot of these uh, sort of big budget sort of sequels do there's issues with the script not being finished or being having to be tweaks obviously Will Smith isn't in it which is one of the huge issues mm. with the sequel is that one of the, the the one of the things that held together all of the cheese uh, was Will Smith and he's no longer in it so he went and did Suicide Squad which as we can all agree oh, is yes. a far better <laughs> film and a far better it's, career it's, choice it's cheese and charm and the charm of Goldblum and to be fair even Pullman's surprisingly yeah. charming yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Smith and those three make it very like a very charming film but it is like a proper 50s B-movie piece of shit but the, the effects were surprisingly good and really pleasant and I think as a spectacle piece of the 90s there was nothing really on par with it at the no. time. I mean, yes, Jurassic Park was spectacular, but this was like something entirely different. And, and then the problem with Independence Day Resurgence was that it's like, okay, now you have to do the same thing again. You have to bring us all the cheese, all the charm, and do something else that no one's done before. Mm. Except it didn't. It just produced the same thing again. And we said, that's not good. This is also the strange mm. thing is that <clears throat> Independence Day is fundamentally a, a 90s movie. And it's a movie that comes from a period of um, extreme optimism and Clinton era and everything mm. else. yeah, yeah. Independence Day Resurgence coming out in 2016 feels like it's trying to be a movie that's made in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, and yeah agreed. it tonally just doesn't land in the same way because we're living in a very different climate politically, culturally, and everything else. And I think that's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> also, everything about it is shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say that the, the funny, the thing, the thing, the resounding, aside from just what the fuck were they thinking, when I left the theatre, the resounding uh, feeling that I had was that the, spoilers, 
the kind of movie that they pitch at the end, which is, hey, we're going to go off and fight all of the intergalactic aliens with our new friends, the Sphere Aliens, is a far more interesting film than the film that we actually got. Like, that would have been far more interesting, and I assume I it's the idea... I agree that that's the best bit of it. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah, is. Two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So genuinely, yeah. that is the bit. I was like, I want to see that film. Yeah. But they were clearly... This is the other problem, is they were they were banking on making two. Yeah. Which is yeah. just mm. um, not a way to produce films. You have no yeah. closure, and you're going yeah. with something that isn't finished, complete, or really. I mean, there are so many films which um, now have this moment where they turn to the camera and say, "We've got to go do this," and then you say, "What happened there?" Oh, they didn't make another one ever again. So this yeah. whole film is oh, it, it, ruined. It ends just so, but it literally ends. It feels like it's like halfway through, and it it's just. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bizarre way of ending well, a film. It's, it's also, I think, Independence Day Two is also burdened by its sheer number of characters because and they're all it, shit. Yeah, yeah, and this is but Independence Day One was it was an ensemble movie, but there were simple ones. Yeah. Well, it's the thing. I think the way that that movie works is it's an ensemble where you have like clusters of people. Yeah, so you have four or five main characters, and then you have the people who are affiliated who are relief for those characters. Yeah, completely. So really, we get um, you've got the Quaid bunch. Yeah, uh, you've got the uh, White House bunch. You've got the military bunch, and that's That's kind of it. it. And then then you introduce the Area Fifty One bunch later. And that's, yeah. that's it. That's all yeah. there is, really. And it's a very simple thing to follow. I was going to say, the interesting thing about um, Independence Day Resurgence when it was advertised, or first advertised, I thought, obviously before this was a thing, or before we were doing sequelizers, but it's the kind of thing we would pose as a sequelized story. It's like, it's yeah. set 20 years later, and yeah. we've been cobbling together technology. Like, wow, that's actually a, a very logical sequel. Rather than being just, we'll just do, I mean, it still does the same thing again, arguably, but it actually had the promise of being interesting as a story and then just delivered on the I was, I was pretty excited when it was announced um, and a few <clears throat> a few kind of ideas about it got were, were, were kind of like oh yeah this this is something and the first when the first trailer came out the teaser I was like okay yeah it's, it's but then it, it just it just doesn't stick the landing the whole thing just falls apart and and then it kind of tries to do like oh we're going to throw a giant alien queen in and it that's, just that's the godzilla ending that is yeah, yeah. It, it just it just really it tries to throw it's the classic throw throw everything in the wall see what sticks and pretty much none of it does so. do you think it's worse than battleships Oh, Battleship is pretty bad. Battleship is terrible. (laughs) I think what's interesting to me is that... Okay, Battleship is awful. This is a different kind of awful because it started off with decent potential. I know you're not a fan, but either way, it had enough of an established universe that people liked. Battleship was like, shit. Uh, people, people like the game, though. People like the game. Yeah. People like Liam Neeson. People like Rihanna. Yes. And that's more of up about. So that's just bad yeah. for the sake of being bad. But this one is a bad, like, oh, a lot of people really enjoyed this film. And a lot of people went to pay to see the film. Why have you made a turd? Yeah. Which is something the first, about. The first you know, one is. Still, I still. I, I always remember uh, when Alec and I were at university, like, that was, the, that was the film that was shown as, like, pretty much the perfect example of, like, Hollywood blockbuster. And I remember, like, watching it with, like, probably, like, probably th- two or three hundred people in the lecture theatre. And the response it getting, people were enjoying it kind of ironically, like, you know, cheering when the dog. Is survives and stuff, and it's this. I think that's the, that's the appeal of the original is that it's kind of knowingly a bit shit. Well, you've just you've just got to go with it. Yeah. It's, I mean, the genius of the original film was its 
recognition of two genre styles that had very much fallen out of favour, which, as you said, Matt, was a 50s B-movie, yeah, but also yeah. the 70s disaster movie. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Towering yeah. Inferno, right. that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And the recognition that you could combine those, put a then-contemporary sheen on it, and that this is something that audiences would go for. And Emmerich's been making them ever since. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now even, now Dean Devlin, who was like the producer of this, is now taking over the mantle with that new one that's coming out. It's like Geostorm that comes yeah. out in October. This oh, is like, God, I did not heard of that. Yeah, it's like yeah. a basically, it's basically the day after tomorrow, 10 years later, because, you know, we all know that 20, or 2012... Five years yeah, later. I, I thought it was <laughs> some... Uh, yeah, in 2017. Okay, in 2017. Yeah. I thought it was a, like a, a Russian rip and saying, oh, that's pretty uh, half-decent effects. Like, that's not too bad. And then you realise that uh, I think Ed Harris is in it. And you go, yeah. oh no, this yeah, is a big this production. Is, this is a big For thing. fuck's sake, yeah, we yeah. stop seeing the same shots over and over. I mean, this is always the classic thing. I don't think, and I could be easily wrong here, but Independence Day really reminded us, hey, if you blow up all the monuments in various countries, everyone will go, ooh, this is important. So, and it's, again, the ridiculous idea, even even Independence Day Resurgence highlights, say, they like the monuments. It's like, why? Yeah. Why'd they go for the monuments? It makes no sense. Yeah, but also, we like seeing things like, oh, Big Ben blew up, shit, I relate to that. But it that has no, of, it has all the, the problems as well, is that it was, the Independence Day worked because we'd not really seen that no. kind of done so well before at the peak of like, Practical was, special effects yeah, blowing up massive models, and, yeah. and actually feeling like there was weight and substance. And oh wow, that's that's we've we've not seen that kind of wanton destruction. Obviously, the other thing as well in the pre nine eleven world, you could get away with doing that kind of wanton destruction because, of course, no one had seen it in real life. Yeah. That level of 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 destruction. You know, when nine eleven happened, everyone was saying, "Oh, it was just like a movie, just like a yeah. like a like a disaster movie." What's and, interesting is the fact that um, you know, usually what happens is a film. I hate the phrase game changer, but a film does act in a game changer kind of way. Changes everything by refreshing stuff we've already seen, but mm. with much more impressive technology. And then 10 years later, they start parodying it and it starts falling out of favour and becomes more. The superhero thing is getting to that stage. I still think it will be strong and carrying for a long time, but it's getting that way. Yeah. Um, and Star Wars had the same thing when Star Wars started getting parodied and so on. But Mars Attacks parodied it almost immediately because they already knew what it was parodying. It was bringing back the. The 50s, the 50s movie thing, exactly yeah. yeah so um i would have thought it died out there and then but again people love spectacle people love the idea of oh my god you know the rock is going to fly through and san andreas wherever it was and Made michael bay's entire career for the last exactly years. yeah, yeah. Oh, nothing but spectacle and Flowing things yeah. blowing up in and, space. And, and there are a lot of moments in resurgence that feel like they're straight ripped from yeah dark of the moon or whatever yeah. the fuck that one is yeah. called yeah. that yeah. i fell asleep watching I wasn't I there when you fell asleep, so I don't know which one you're talking about. I'm, sure you're gonna, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's called Transformers Dark of the Moon. The third one, yeah. And yeah, yeah Transformers yeah. wake up on the moon and they're evil Transformers. Or the Decepticons yeah. appear on the back yeah. of the moon or something. Yeah, they've got some sticks in space. And, and the moment, I mean, basically the, the early season yeah, with, them, with the moon basically yeah, yeah. feels like that bit from Transformers. Yeah. It, do, it, yeah. it does, actually, yeah. It and really that's does. not a good thing, folks. No, 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 no. you never want to be... If you're regurgitating Michael Bay's old leftovers, you I mean, that's trouble. just like... Yeah. That's like Eating shit and then shitting out the shit and then eating some more shit that's been shit out. I've been. I'm gonna stick with my regurgitating leftovers. The thing with this as well, it was stuck in development hell. Like, yeah, Roland Emmerich tried to make this originally in 2002. Mm. Shit, and, and that might have been a best time, time for it. To do it. I, I thought I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. The interesting thing is that what he said is they wanted to make it after 9/11 because they wanted it to be a commentary. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. would yeah. have That's been why he tried to make it. Yeah. Yeah. the original script he wrote in 2002 following 9/11, mm. and and had pitched it around and things like that, and nobody seemed interested. No one to take it. That point. And he 
com- as you can probably tell, completely changed it and is yeah, no longer a yeah. commentary on 9-11 14 years later. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it, was, it was an interesting thing where he just kind of... He came in and got, like, three or four other writers to join him as well and then kind of randomly hired people. It's nowhere near the same production team as the original no. movie either. And it kind of just went through a million people's different hands before it actually came. And I think it all just went wrong. I think they were basically banking on Will Smith coming back. I think they were. I think they almost hadn't considered the possibility that he wouldn't come back because my understanding was it had to be radical. That the, it does feel like it's a script missing its core character, or it's, it's a script that's missing and its core. Forgets Independence Day really did launch Smith's yeah. career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there was that sort of I, I imagine that classic sort of well, you owe us, and he's like, actually, I'm with Smith. I don't know anything. Yeah. it's like, oh shit, uh, yeah. we're in trouble. We're, we're in trouble. And yeah. I think it was originally going to be called like Independence Day Forever as well, which is the Bill Murray Groundhog Day. Yeah, which is just doesn't make any sense. Wasn't Independence Day itself going to be called something else, wasn't it? Well, yeah, Independence... The whole... I was looking this up because we were joking before about ID4 and I actually was looking up during the research. The reason it was called that was apparently um, during the big... The big big speech, arguably one of the the, the best slash worst bits of the first film, Bill Pullman's speech. I'm going for worst. Yeah. I I figured you would be. That speech is spectacular. Um, They actually added the line... I'm American. (laughs) They actually had to add the line uh, this is our Independence Day because at that point in the filming... Uh, the the film name Independence Day was owned by Warner Brothers, and they had they oh. weren't aware that they were they didn't know whether they'd actually be able to call it Independence Day the film. So that's why they were making it and also marketing the early marketing under the ID four title because they were like, can we call it Independence Day? And they actually apparently at the last minute when they were shooting it wrote on the script that line and this will be our Independence Day, and it was on the strength of that them showing whoever they need to prove it to that they actually got the name released for them to market it under the well, name Independence Day. So That's the reason I asked it because I was like, why the fuck would you try? What is ID for? And it was it was only ever meant as like a place. So, so what you're saying is it was very nearly called St. Swithin's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Today yeah. we celebrate no, right. St. Swithin's Day. Day. It's not Bill Pullman, it's Tosh from the Bill. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't quite have the same so, ring. Well, I was going to say, technically speaking, they say not having the same ring. I'm pretty sure that's Henry V, where it says, Today was on St. Crispin's Day! And they charge in the battle, as of course. Fuck, books. yes! Shakespeare had it first. I didn't think ID it was possible. You've <laughs> made me like this film even less. That's <laughs> astonishing. It's ripping off Shakespeare. You heard yeah, it here first. That, that speech rips off loads of stuff. Oh, yeah, God, there's, yeah. there's, there's Dull and Thomas lines in yeah, there Yeah, as yeah, yeah, well. completely. It's, um, it's complete homogenisation of yeah. tons of things. But for some reason... where he says, My milkshake brings all oh, the aliens to the yard <laughs> and we must kill those aliens. Yeah. And then someone in the background shouts, I drink your milkshake! <laughs> <laughs> and it's the alien and he comes out and he boxes him. It's amazing. You see, How can you not love this film? I want to see that Spoilers film. for your pitch. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Disappointingly, no. No. Yeah, yeah, actually, there are more sharks than us. Yeah. <laughs> Less milkshake, more sharks. <laughs> Speaking of pitches, um, should we get some team names from you guys? Yeah. Mm. And uh, I'll let the street shark. I mean, these guys go first. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what you guys you, could be you, called. You say that. That's quite. That's quite uh, canny. Because today we are called. Welcome, Welcome to, to Street Sharks. sharks. Yeah, I, I feel that was a bit, a bit of a letdown, but I don't think anything could have actually. Oh, reached oh that what? Level. what? Oh, I, I jacked that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what are you guys? I'll let Alec do this one. Getting jiggy. Oh. ID. Oh. Oh. Getting jiggy 
with id. With id, yes. It's a very psychological one. It's a thinker. Na 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 na. Na 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 na. Oh, dear. Um, if only they were called Welcome to Street Sharks. Yeah. Cool, right. So. So, Street Sharks. Yep. When you kick us off. With the elevator pitch. Elevator pitch, please, sir. So, Independence Day retaliation. Oh. Fifteen years after the initial alien attack, the Earth is struggling to recover. Resources are depleted and key disagreements between the military, the new government and the science division are causing rifts. The arrival of a new alien presence in the form of a spherical vessel pressures the world government to make a decision which will alter the course of human history forever. That's a very long elevator ride, but I enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Our elevator pitch. Shorter. All right. <laughs> All right. Shit, aliens turn up. Yeah. The, the end. end. Yeah, that, that would work. That would work. He's, he's, he's got it. <laughs> so, yeah, done. Sorted. Are there sharks involved? There could be. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the aliens return to conquer Earth, but this time the Earth is not alone. Oh, interesting. It's called, which we've forgotten to give the title. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Independence Day. Resistance. Oh, oh, you've gone for the R as well. Gone for the res- res- <laughs> retaliation, yeah. resurgences, resistances. Um, fun fact: uh, in coming up with the title, they literally just wrote down a load of words that started with R E. Yes, that yeah. was yeah. 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 Independence Day Requiem was yeah. one of oh, the working titles. Independence that was that Day. Was, yeah, I think, I think we did the same so stuff. why why did they Day go with R E? What was yeah. the? Oh, course? it's yeah. one of those things that markets really yeah. well because again, re implies. Um, Effectively, a return. The things I did, that things come back. Return was one of those ideas. Yeah. 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 Independence Day, religious tuition. <laughs> <laughs> religious education. Yeah. I don't think... Are we? Yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah. Even, even goes down I don't it, yeah. think... Okay. So should we come back to Street Sharks? Yeah, okay. So we discussed the content of our, of our film. Um, so we're releasing the film, Independence Day, Retaliation. So we literally... Up until the last minute, it had like three different titles. <laughs> it's like the yeah. real film. Yeah, yeah. We, we released it in 2011, 15 years after the original. Um, we've got a few reasons for that um, to do with uh, casting, availability, uh, just because we think it's the right time to release it as far as effects are concerned. They should be sort of, they're going back to being practical enough, and uh, yeah. obviously, I think. As we discussed, Resurgence was a bit late almost in being released. I think 2011, mm. you could probably get away with... Uh, also getting know. ahead of the nostalgia curve that everyone's currently doing. Yep. Like, what can we just reboot? So it was almost like, we're the first to yeah. bring our stuff back. We're the first to have the nostalgia piano. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also we think it's the 10-year anniversary of 9-11, so we're going to sort of tie into that idea mm. of... Um, it's subtly, the, Yeah, it's a subtle way. We're not just going to have like a couple of buildings get alien. So uh, the director for this film will be... Gore Verbinski, fresh Ooh. off of Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy and about to do Rango. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. The returning cast will be Will Smith as Marshall Stephen Hiller. Jeff Goldblum plays David Levinson. Bill Pullman uh, returns as Thomas Whitmore. May Whitman returns as Patricia Whitmore. Um, oh, so you went with the original actress. We did. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. need to recast. And same thing with Ross Bagley coming back as Dylan Hiller, um, Hiller's son. Um, we also have Brackish Oaken, which is a great name, <laughs> being played by Brett Spiner and Constance or Connie Spano, uh, being played by Margaret Collin. Our new cast, this is where it gets interesting. Yeah. I try and do some pronunciations. 
And so Ming-Na Wen, who uh, will be playing Jan Yeo, uh, she, if anyone watches Agent of Shields, very familiar with her Agent as... May, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. At the time, though, she was, um, she'd done Mulan and the sequel, and she'd done the voice for Final Fantasy and Spirits Within, I think it's uh, Dr. Ross Abbey it was. Oh, yeah. um, we've also got playing the role of Vladimir Detsky. Okay. Um, apologies in advance. I can never pronounce this guy's name. Rada Serbegia. And he's basically the go-to Russian in every film you've ever seen. He plays you know, Boris... that Russian guy. That Russian that guy. guy, yeah. Yeah, Boris the Blade in Snatch. Yep. He plays the homeless dude in Batman Begins. He goes on to do X-Men First Class as a Russian general. He's the guy who goes, oh, that guy! Um, yep. So we brought him in <laughs> as a Russian because it's 2011. And if you're going to cast for an Independence Day film, cast obvious. Yeah. Um, DOP, we've decided to bring on board uh, Darius Volsky from, again... Babinski bringing him on from the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. He's also the guy that did the Prometheus, yeah. which is and a beautiful film. The only, yeah, the only good thing about that film is that it looks fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah so we're going to much. Yeah. some yeah. interesting, yeah. dark, scary uh, environment yeah. stuff. And uh, we're bringing back the composer uh, da- uh, David Arnold, who um, Independence Day is a very weird, ripped-off score as we were discussing earlier. But there's some interesting bits to it, and it does the right, it does its job properly. It has enough themes in there. You go, yeah, and you, you get right up and everything. pumped. I also think the Stargate theme is spectacular. He did that. He's worked on Casino Royale, the um, Daniel Craig version, and he did the music for Sherlock and the yeah. TV series. So he's he's a capable, competent person. We think he, he can do a, a decent enough job. There you go. That's us. Fair enough. Right. Over to you guys. I'm getting jiggy with ID. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a nice, easy team name to pronounce there, isn't it? It's also what we do um, when entering a nightclub. <laughs> um, so Independence Day Resistance, we are making this film in 2017. Ooh. So what? Yeah. what? We're literally yeah. making it now. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Is this the short we film that you were pitching earlier? <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, our director is uh, a man by the name of Rian Johnson. Oh, oh interesting. what? Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, who, of course, directed uh, Brick, Looper, and is currently working on Star Wars The Last Jedi. Not anymore. He's not, not anymore. working on Mr. Yeah, yeah. He's robbed us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I hate it already, by the way. <laughs> um, for we, that reason. We wanted... Um, we wanted good. to ditch <laughs> Emmerich because much as I like certainly a lot of his earlier films, I think we wanted somebody with a bit more of a contemporary sensibility Mm -hmm. because we wanted to make a modern independence day film that still had throwbacks to the original, Mm -hmm. but that, because as I said, independence day resurgence felt like a bit of a relic in not a good way at points. And we wanted to make something more modern. So we thought he brought something to the table um, also, though, David Arnold returning as composer mm-hmm. to give it a bit of continuity with yeah, the yeah. original film. Um, as far as our cast goes, um, we have uh, David Levinson being played by Jeff Goldblum. We have Stephen Hiller being played by Will Smith. We also have Patricia Whitmore being played by May Whitman. Yeah, and again, she's why we cast? I don't yeah. know why. Apparently, she got asked. She was put forward and she turned it down. Oh, she was smart. That's the that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she read the script. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Dr. Brackish Oaken. He sounds like the Minister for Magic. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, once again played by Brent Spiner. And we have a new president by the name of President Adams who is played by uh, William uh, Fickner. 
Oh, um, interesting. Which yeah. is who played that character yeah. in yeah, yeah. Independence Day mm. Resurgence. But, yeah. Ooh. So there we go. Okay. Cool. And the themes we will be exploring are noise and special <laughs> effects. Because <laughs> it's fucking Independence Day. You're not going to be love, able to say anything meaningful in this shit at all. I'd like to point out that I didn't write that. <laughs> I did. The, the Could you tell? stuff yeah. and things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just Listeners, I can uh, verify. It literally says, says yeah, noise and, and special, special effects. effects on there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this has been a tense scripting session. <laughs> <what we say. laughs> is this the end of Ashman... Plowshans. <laughs> oh no, we'll be back with a vengeance for Screenshots too. Yeah, something else. <laughs> for the next episode. The next which episode. we'll reveal at the end. Oh, stay tuned. keep listening. That's yeah. called a cliffhanger. Don't, don't skip ahead. Yeah. Even the technology allows you to. Teasing, teasing. Welcome to Street Sharks. Yep. Over to you. That's a weird sentence to say. Uh, <laughs> how dare you? That sentence is so erotic, solid, erotic to say the name. <laughs> Yeah, I shall. Uh, I shall take. All the right, lead. take the lead, sir. So, our film opens fifteen years after the events of Independence Day. The Earth is scorched, irradiated, and destabilized due to the immense battle a decade and a half ago. Recovery has been limited, but the world is united under a new One Nation banner, with the United States very much at the helm due to their pivotal role in defeating the invading force. During a meeting of executive, military, scientific, agricultural and governing leaders, a fierce battle of words between old allies erupts. On one hand, doctors David Levinson, Brackish Oaken and Dylan Hiller have been repurposing alien tech to salvage the Earth, but admit they have yielded few promising results due to a depletion of natural resources. At the other end of the argument is Marshal of the Air Force Stephen Hiller, who has been re- reluctantly and recently promoted to supreme military leader of Earth's collective might. He argues that it's just a matter of time before the Earth is targeted once again, and as it stands, mounting an effective defence would be questionable. The argument grows more heated, but is broken up by the triune triune presidency, three leaders making up one office, comprised of, and this is where I completely muller it, uh, Jin Yao of China, Vladimir Detsky of Russia, and American Connie Spano? Spano. 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 Connie explains Hiller and Levinson have been bickering for years and need to put their differences aside. The Triune would deliberate and let them know how they plan to proceed. The meeting is dismissed and Oaken comments to Dylan that it could have gone better, knocking back a fistful of pills. Both Hillers share a look, but little more than that. <coughs> In the private residence, Thomas Whitmore, ex-president of the former United States, is suffering from extreme headaches. He holds a video call with his daughter Patricia, a high-ranking official in the Triune's office. She is concerned that he doesn't seem well and makes sure he's been taking his medication. Thomas explains he has, but feels they're becoming less effective. Thomas gets ready for work and is seen walking on stage at an established university. We learn he has been teaching students from around the world how to lead and govern. Specifically, that in order to succeed, you must hear every argument or you or you court disaster. This allows the audience to catch up with how Earth is divided politically and basically just establishes the same of what he does. Um, midway through his lecture, he starts to convulse and suffers a powerful seizure. We cut to a secure laboratory where Dr. Oaken collapses on the floor in a similar fashion. Back in the university, Thomas snaps out of his shaking trance and utters the words, they're coming. Various lights and screens in a command centre blink and flash erratically as several military personnel run around chaotically. Marshal Hiller saunters in, half awake, proclaiming that, they, that if this is a drill, someone's getting court-martialed. His face turns serious when he looks over the readings and barks an order to ready planetary defences. A panning shot of the moon eclipsing the Earth reveals a spherical vessel hurtling through space, green laser fire chasing it towards our planet. Silo doors open and ballistic operatives ready missile launch. 
in the planet's atmosphere, the orb splits in two and the rear section divides into individual craft, which combat the familiar looking alien fighters. The audience are treated to an impressive aerobatic display as both combatants eliminate one another. The remainder of the sphere crash lands in the ruins of Paris. As the dust settles, Marshal Hiller watches through a live feed monitor and orders a crew to secure the crash site. A French unit arrives at the scene of the crash vessel, only to witness an audio transmission before the unmanned vessel powers down. The event is spun as a positive on international broadcasts to assure the populace. Later that day, Levinson and Dylan are trying to decipher the alien transmission, working the sound bite through all known communication patterns. Levinson finally concludes that it's very different to the countdown he discovered last time, as these beings talk in a similar but different fashion. To explain his theory, he compares the differences between communication patterns of wasps and bees. Cracking the code, Levinson calls a meeting with the Triune and various leaders and uh, relays his findings. The orb was a last-ditch message from a race of aliens that have sought out humanity's help as the only race to fend off the ID4 aliens attack. We don't know what to call them on the ID4 aliens. Um, <laughs> I think they're established as being called the Harvesters. In they are. Terms, but okay. we haven't established that. As yeah. well, so. um, they wish to form an alliance and finish off the aliens for good. Uh, the rest of the message seems to be coordinates in uncharted space. The officials ask for the room to mourn their outcome. Outside, Hiller hands Levinson a small metallic tube containing a cigar and says the fat lady's sung, it's time to go. Levinson tastes the cigar, but says he can't believe that. Hiller notices his son in the distance and heads towards him. Levinson grabs Steve's arm and says, maybe now's not the best time. To which Hiller retorts, you best get your hand off me, Doctor. Uh, the deliberations are short, and before Hiller can ask to talk with his son, everyone is summoned back. Connie, Yao, and Detsky give the approval for a galactic mission to deal with the alien threat once and for all. Levinson is shocked and dismayed, explaining it would take years of preparation to form that kind of attack force. Dr. Oaken reluctantly confesses it would take exactly nine years. Levinson and Dylan are then taken to a military facility and witness a vast fleet of interstellar vessels cobbled together with a hybrid of human and alien technology. Feeling betrayed, Levinson demands to know if both Connie and Hiller knew about this. Both explain he wouldn't have understood. Levinson then explains that he has been, try he has been trying to understand why the Earth's natural resources have been plummeting, and now it becomes abundantly clear that they are being harvested for all this military construction. Dylan and Hiller fight, and we learn that Dylan is an exceptional pilot, but gave it up to save lives and the Earth after his mother sadly died of cancer. Unassuageable, Dylan storms off. Connie then takes a phone call and expresses frustration that the Trion's orders are being questioned. On the other end of the phone is Patricia Whitmore, who has been told she will accompany a selection of the government to a facility but won't be told why. With the grave situation explained, Patricia speaks with her father, stating that he will have to rendezvous with her. Shocked by the return of the aliens, not to mention feeling furious that he was kept in the dark, despite being a key component in the previous victory, Thomas explains it's not enough and hangs up the phone. An internationally broadcast press conference is held, announcing the plans to launch an armada into deep space to secure the future of humanity. Demanding an audience with the Triune, Whitmore is allowed to meet with Connie after the speech as a favour to an old friend. The full plan is detailed to him, and he says it's horribly unwise. Hiller respects the former president, but explains that one Trojan horse vessel with a Mac isn't going to solve the problem this time. Whitmore reminds Hiller that he was a military man before he was president, which prompts everyone to argue over each other before Connie reminds him of the office she holds, and then three men reluctantly grumble to a stalemate. Hiller wants an all-out offensive. Levinson believes in letting bygones be bygones, and Whitmore maintains they can't trust this new supposed ally. Connie reminds all of them that they helped save the world together, and if they could just stop this pissing contest, they could save it again. She then asserts her authority and explains that the World Council has decided to go, so Hiller has to saddle up. The three veterans share a wish of luck and separate. 
The next day, the fleet is unveiled and prepared for combat. Levinson steps onto Hiller's bridge in a flight suit he doesn't feel overly comfortable in. Hiller and Levinson joke about the vessel's design, and the key to their success will be the controls being labelled properly this time. The massive, impressive armada leaves the Earth atmosphere, prompting a globally televised report in multiple languages. Whitmore watches the tiny, shimmering blips of light propel into a faster-than-light state and whispers, Godspeed, gentlemen. The ride through hyperspace is a rough one, and Levinson has his head in between his legs for the majority of the journey. Hiller mocks him slightly, and Ensign reports they are nearing they are nearing the given coordinates and vessel jerks to a more manageable speed. The arrival shot establishes the human fleet arriving amongst a gathering of several disliked vessels, forming a horseshoe semicircle with a deep red star behind them. Hiller, assuming the potential ally has already been wiped out, gives the order to engage the enemy fleet and thousands of starfighters are launched. A spectacular dogfight ensues, with the humans holding their own against the technologically unchanged alien craft. Several of the disk structures begin to slowly rotate, with the undersides facing towards the human battleships. Hiller gives the order to scatter, but several vessels are heavily damaged by the giant glowing blue beams that rip through the respective hulls. After a chaotic battle, the tide starts to turn and humanity's forces seem to outnumber the aliens, uh, alien ensemble. One of Hiller's crew reports a reading they don't understand, and the camera reveals a huge spherical object orbiting the sun. Levinson notes that the cavalry has arrived. The sphere parts in the centre and a similar blue beam surges out and cuts one of the biggest human battleships in half. Hiller's bridge are stunned before erupting in panic. Hiller and Levinson realise the whole thing was an orchestrated trap and they are now horribly outnumbered and outgunned. The battle rages on, with the human vessels holding their own but unable to defend themselves against the larger ships and the new enemy. Hiller co contemplates retreat but screams at Levinson that he brought him along to science them out of a situation like this. Levinson mumbles about wasps and bees before running to a communication panel. He speaks with another active ship who has the ability to program a pulse beacon which could confuse the enemy fleet. The ship says they have a scientist on board who could jerry-rig something together. Levinson explains his plan to Hiller but admits that all it would do would lead them astray. It wouldn't cause any actual damage. Hiller then uses an analogy to say they need to bait the enemy into the sun. He initially says he will do it but everyone on the bridge explains that he is a leader, not a soldier anymore and part of his job is to send men to their deaths to save others. Hiller reluctantly gives the order. Levinson contacts the neighbouring ship and they explain that their scientist is willing to pilot the vessel. A shuttle is launched and navigates its way through the manic battlefield. Hiller orders cover for the vessel. The plan seems to be working and a large portion of the alien fleet fractures at the centre and follows the ship towards the sun. Hiller, knowing this individual is giving their life for the survival of the human race, opens a communication channel, which, due to the gravity of the sun, is audio only. He commends the scientist's bravery and as head of the military compliments the grace and efficiency of his piloting. The voice crackles back, I learned from the best. Recognising the voice of his son, Hiller stumbles, stabilising himself on the command console. An emotional exchange takes place with father and son coming to terms with their differences and similarities, before the transmission goes dead and a large portion of the alien fleet burns up in the sun's low orbit. A moment of silence washes over the command centre before the sphere fires another deadly shot. Eyes glassy with tears, Hiller orders the remaining human vessels to finish off the alien fleet. The battle is hard fought and brutal. Lives are lost on both sides, and the human vessel that launched Dylan's shuttle rams into the spherical behemoth, taking it out. Levinson notes a, signal tra a, a single transmission to which Hiller says, let the bastards scream all they want. An absolutely almighty explosion rips through the battlefield, sending a powerful shockwave that batters the already weary fleet before warping as it reaches the red sun's upper surface. The victory is a strange one, with everyone stunned by the lengths taken to achieve it. Hiller, voice cracking, gives the final order to return to Earth, and explains he will be in his quarters.
Levinson and Hill have a conversation while the ship is in transit, noting that David spent more time with Dylan than Steve did. Levinson assures his friend that this, these two episodes have rocked everything they know about mankind, and it's po- impossible to get out of it without some sort of scarring. Arriving back at Earth, Hiller receives a, Sir, you better look at this communication, because it's Independence Day. The lead ship nears Earth and spies a small spinning orb sending a purple pulsing light down to the surface. An ensign, flabbergasted, explained that the surface is purely nitrogen-based and that everything appears to be dead. Hiller demands the orb shot out of the sky and explodes unceremoniously. Hiller demands the readings be checked again, and the same results come back. The audience are treated to a flashback of the orb arriving and killing off several established characters with a voiceover by Levinson as he decodes the final transmission of the alien fleet. We learn that several orbs arrived, and with little defences remaining, the damage was lethal and almost immediate. Hiller screams, I thought we got all of them. Levinson hypothesises that the enemy must have been working on some sort of new autonomous last-ditch attempt to rid the planet of life. He can only assume the aliens were confident they would win on both fronts, but wanted to make sure humanity suffered either way. Levinson and Hiller fight each other as it becomes apparent that Whitmore was right, and had they listened to each other, this could have been uh, prevented. The fight is broken up as an ensign realises a signal is coming through. Hiller straightens up and asks it to put on speaker. This is Patricia Whitmore, rings through the ship, which is then broadcast throughout the fleet. Patricia explains that a small section of humanity survived in a bunker, and they will rebuild and endure because that's what they do, it's what they've always done. She says if anyone can hear this, not to give up hope, that the fleet will return victorious, and they will forge a new place in the universe and find a new home. Hiller gives the order to locate and recover any survivors. Levinson says he will begin preparations to find somewhere new to call home. So there you go. <laughs> that was uh, that was our take on Independence Day. Wow. That was nice. I like that. Really? Mm. Oh, good. Good. They're lying! You're like incredibly I... disinterested. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I was imagining things. My problem mm. is, I would never have watched the film because I hate the first one so much. Yeah. <laughs> but that is not in any way a reflection. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we'll get on to that in a minute. Yes, so that's that's why I would never have seen... Um, Resurgence, or yeah. whatever the hell it was yeah, called. Yeah, until we forced you, <laughs> a la, like, yes. uh, Clockwork Orange, with yes. the ice. Yes. Yeah. I can verify that that's pretty much it. Really right. because, <laughs> yeah. Technique. Yeah. Yeah. To keep prodding in with a cattle probably. Like, Wake up, Stuart, you will yeah, watch yeah. this film. And Take team, it all uh, in. For team, for team Pavement Wales. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pavement uh, Wales. Uh, Brent Spiner's um, about to wake no, up. Those <laughs> bastard aliens in that one. You can't trust them, can you? you no, can't you can't trust, trust them. They're always sneaking around. Sneaking around. I was kind of hoping the seizures would become more of a thing, and at the end they'd say, the real enemy was epilepsy. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody would come around with a bucket in the cinema to take money um, for epilepsy research. But, um, the house lights come yes. No, no, the house lights <laughs> strove. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're raising look, money. Look, they hate this them. is why we need the money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're raising money, but they also hate them. Get out! <laughs> oh dear. You guys went for a really sort of dark epic there, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, it I was, think that's it why was, I liked um, it. Actually. Yeah, it was. No, no, we want to hear yours. We want to hear yours. Yeah. Don't yes, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it after. Thank you. Yeah, but thank you. Oh, good. That's not good enough. I'm glad that you liked it. We worked hard on it. It was. It was a labour of love. Ours was a labour of hate. It was you. Like this is what I have to put up with. Uh, like shitting a fist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. T-shirt. <laughs> I imagine because turn has never passed through my body before. <laughs> I'm like Kim Jong Un. <laughs> the legend of Matt and his unturnable body. <laughs> Matt the unturnable. <laughs> That's a good podcast yeah. title in itself. The Unturdable. The Sultan is not for turning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> Jesus.
You know it's bad when you're quoting catch. Can't unhear that. Prepare to be sequelized. Yeah, should, um, should we get jiggy with it? Badass, bad, I guess. Bad, 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 bad. If we must. <laughs> um, right. Synopsis. 20 years after the events of Independence Day, world politics are in turmoil. In the wake of the Independence Day attack came a greater sense of world unity initially, with many technological innovations as a result of reverse engineered alien technology and a global nuclear weapon disarmament program. However, Recent times have seen a deterioration in international relations and a resumption of Cold War-style tensions between the Russians, Americans and the Chinese, fueled by a race to develop new weapons from alien tech. Since the 1996 attacks, though, fears of an alien invasion have largely subsided. The turbo lasers used by the aliens to decimate much of the world on their motherships in the original film have been repurposed into a global network of orbital satellite cannons, which the people of Earth feel safe under. These cannons, along with a system of satellites, will supposedly detect any invading force and obliterate it before it has a chance to reach. David Levinson meets Patricia Whitmore at a bar in Washington, D.C. for a long overdue catch-up. Patricia is now an influential general. They reminisce about old times and we discover that President Thomas Whitmore has died of cancer and that Captain Stephen uh, Hiller is now a colonel but has separated from his wife. Levinson, who is still a satellite technician, notes that he has recently observed transmission disturbances similar to those that preface the first alien invasion. Patricia reasons that a full-scale alien invasion could not take place because of the Earth defence system. Levinson agrees, but believes that something else may be afoot and implores her to pass the information on to the powers that be. She says she will do her best, but that the recently elected President Adams shows little interest in interplanetary concerns and is much more focused on intercountry politics. We see Stephen Hiller in bed. He is startled awake by three alien figures of different species. We cut to David Levinson's apartment. He is awoken by a noise in his lounge and investigates to discover Stephen Hiller and the three aliens that woke him. The aliens, speaking through a translation device, reveal that they are members of an intergalactic resistance set up to oppose the aliens that attacked Earth in the first Independence Day. It transpires that the evil aliens are totalitarian colonists who have raged across the galaxy, aggressively destroying civilizations and colonizing their worlds. Earth was the first place to successfully repel an invasion, but they have been secretly studying the human race from afar since then. They have planned a much more sophisticated and devious invasion strategy. The political unrest of recent years has in fact been engineered by the aliens through cyber hacking as a deliberate diversion tactic, turning attention and resources away from the Earth defence system. They have also learned how to hack into the laser program, which they intend to turn on major Earth landmarks. Which have been rebuilt more upon yeah. <laughs> Because I couldn't imagine an Independence Day sequel where you didn't blow up landmarks. Yeah. <laughs> and using wormhole technology, have been secretly stationing troops ready for a secondary ground assault on the Earth. The Resistance has a last-ditch plan to save the planet, however. 
Using a stolen spaceship, they intend to board the evil alien mothership to use Levinson's computer hack trick from the first film <laughs> to disable the ship's shield and weapons. This just will... got a newer MacBook. This will allow the one with the touch bar. Is that yeah, the one that's going to yeah, yeah, yeah. This will allow the resistance fighters to fly in and destroy the ship's core, with Hiller leading the assault as in the first film. They are told that time is of the essence, as the alien force's arrival is imminent. They prepare to disembark, but Levinson says he needs to inform Whitmore of the imminent invasion. He calls her as she is in a meeting with the president and frantically explains the situation. Whitmore relays the information, but the president says Levinson is an eccentric fool and that she is even more of a fool for going along with his nonsense. But he is cut off by a bleeping from an emergency system. There is a problem with the Earth defence system. For some reason, the satellites are turning around to point at the surface of the Earth. Levinson and the alien resistance get to the mothership without incident. They have to sneak their way up from the hangars to the control area. Meanwhile, the laser cannons have started firing already, once again destroying a number of major landmarks. President Adams and his cabinet are overwhelmed by the situation, and then literally overwhelmed as the alien hordes attack the White House. Whitmore is able to escape alongside uh, Whitmore is able to escape, rescuing Adams in the process, though he sustains a lethal injury as they attempt to reach an alien tech enhanced helicopter. Levinson et al. reach the control centre and set up a barricade. They hook up to the mainframe and disable the mothership's systems while Hiller's team begin their attack run. However, the resistance intel was wrong. While the shields are down, their weapons are still very much operational, and the resistance fighters are obliterated by laser cannons. Hiller and the stragglers fall back into a dogfight with alien ships outside of the mothership, informing Levinson of their defeat. Levinson realises that the gun systems are now on an entirely different system, and it could take him an hour to hack into them, by which time the Earth will have been pulverised by the orbital lasers. The Resistance believe that all is lost, but Levinson has a plan. He contacts Whitmore and tells her that she needs to get in touch with Dr. Oaken, the man who designed the Earth defence system. Whitmore directs her helicopter to Oaken's laboratory in the Pentagon. They rescue him from the aliens, and he tells them that there is an emergency shutdown for the defence system at Area 51. However, the aliens are aware of this, and Area 51 is heavily guarded by alien soldiers. Whitmore radios for army support and a strike force converges on Area 51. They storm it, destroying the failsafe and disabling the orbital cannons, buying the planet some time. Levinson is frantically attempting to hack into the mothership mainframe to disable the weapon systems. Time is made all the more pressing as their location has been discovered and evil alien troops are attempting to break through their barricade. But his hack is successful and the mothership's guns are disabled. They tell Hiller to begin his assault whilst making their way back to the hangar. The remnants of the Resistance fight fiercely against the evil aliens and take out the mothership, just as Levinson and his alien friends escape. The people of Earth rejoice. Whitmore is sworn in as the new president, with old president having died, and promises that Earth will join the intergalactic resistance against the alien threat. Levinson and Hiller are put in charge of Earth's resistance efforts. It's interesting that we both kept the sphere alien ideas. The only thing any of us liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think the 
yeah, I, I think this is what I was going to say, is that they both have elements of the existing film. It, basically, I think all that was good about it was the sphere aliens and the, hey, let's combine human and alien technology. Yeah. Like, oh, and ultimately, let's bring back Brackish Oaken, because yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone thought he was dead in the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then because he's in the song, you go, oh yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure all of us didn't bring back Judd Hirsch. No. Who was bloody annoying yes, in that Yes, that's film. why. Yeah, <laughs> he's just, yeah he, was, he had nothing to do. Like, the, the new one, he was like, oh, I'm just going to say... Save the kids on a bus. Some kids on a school bus, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was fine in the it's first one, but <laughs> in the second one, he was just god awful. And it's, it's interesting, because the thing we... I, the similarities, I'd say, it, it, to my mind, comes from the fact that, again, it's like, why would you recast... Oh, no, I don't know, I see May Whitman didn't want to be involved. Mm. And why would you? But, again, there, there are moments where we think, no, you don't need X person to come back but you do want this person that's the logical choice to bring yeah yeah i I do wonder if the reason so many people came back for independence day resurgence the reason brent spiner is back in Mm. it the reason judd hirsch is back in it the reason that um uh a fox Fox, Fox, yeah is back in it is because money well (laughs) because will smith wasn't yes and i do wonder if they felt that they needed to have everybody else back just to, to yeah. make it feel more like... You'd have to say, look, everybody, we have yeah. lots of other people back from the film. You love the film. Yeah. Just creaking this chair, sorry. Um, I liked I liked the thing with yours, that the, the, even though Stuart joked that there were no themes, I thought that there was a nice theme of, of the fact that even after, you know, essentially after everything, uh, we're, everything still, we're still fighting ourselves. Yeah. I, thought I, that was, I thought that was very nice. And, and, our, and our... The hacking thing also is very logical. I like that. Yeah. Logical I, it also had a real feel of like resistance fall of man I like that mm-hmm. it had a, that sort of like there's a resi- there's like a kind of alien resistance to mm-hmm. like a kind of uh, thing and um, I was going to bring that series up through the title oh, actually, I've never yeah. actually played them that was really, a, really? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they're really good them, there's but... an alien invasion done on earth done right basically. yeah it's a really good series both all three games I think are really good yeah yeah, it yeah. sounds really silly. I think the only thing uh, it's not, not a negative point. The only thing I was thinking is that the whole film, the success of it, rides on what those aliens look like. Yeah, it yeah. sounds really yeah. stupid, but yeah, yeah. the three aliens that turn up, it's the, the it's, it's the typical Star Wars thing of like these, you know, perfect designs, spectacular. All you need is one ropey Star Trek. Yeah. You know, oh, one no, wolf yeah. man in my <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, yeah. no. <laughs> the aliens, actually, we've got three of them. One is Alf. <laughs> uh, one is the little cute thing from Lost in Space that yep. was unconvincing yeah. CGI. And the other one is um, Howard the Duck. Yes. Oh, so, okay. yeah, I'm sorry, I'm on board. That explains a lot. Yeah. 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 Although in alternate scenes, Howard the Duck is replaced by the little alien from Flight of the Navigator. <laughs> no explanation oh. whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> and Sebastian the Crab comes in and sings or something. <laughs> <laughs> is he secretly an alien this whole time? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Watch the Little Mermaid, you'll see. It's there. It's all there. It's been been retconned into Disney canon. It's all there for you to uncover. Is he he secretly in the Senate in episode three? Yeah. 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 I am the Senate. (laughs) 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 Have you ever heard (laughs) the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? (laughs) 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 It's under the sea. Some legs and went on to land. <laughs> uh, I like that it was very, very. It felt very Star Wars at a lot of points. Like yeah. the shields are down. Yeah. It's a trap. Um, <laughs> and, and the uh, the starship troopers defense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I really like that. So for episode five, we're going to change the format a little bit. The teams are no longer going to question each other. Um, it is now my responsibility to send out the questions. So over to welcome to Street Sharks. Um, 
basically, my first question is, um, why the shift in tone? Why go from... It's, it's a lot darker, as Alec mentioned earlier, than the original. And yeah. you go kind of a bit... Not necessarily take it more seriously. No, we, we did definitely choose to... Like, what, what kind of brought that on? 2011. Yeah. I think it was that thing of what we discussed was uh, the, the original existed pre-9-11. Uh, every film and every, you know, arguably um, the world changed forever in 9-11. And in particular, the world changed when you're making films about blowing up monuments mm. post-9-11. Mm. So... What well, the... 2011 was the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. And I don't... I get my memories about hazy at this point, but I don't remember if they did. They had so many plans of what they were going to do with the uh, the uh, what's it called? The crash science. The uh, ground zero. Ground zero, zero yeah. with ground zero, yeah. Um, and and it, none really came to fruition properly, and they they eventually had a moral thing. And the idea that if you had that worldwide, you wouldn't be able to rebuild properly. Wouldn't be able to say because again, the one thing about resurgence is they do have everything back up and running again, and a load mm. of new monuments. It's like why do you have the the, the why is the Burj Khalifa? Here? Yeah, but why? Why, yeah, who built the Burj Khalifa? Who thought that'd be a good idea to build one building? That's <laughs> like that's like a needle that then goes and skewers the fucking uh, like the London, London, London yeah London Which, again, Eye or something. How is that still how around? Is that, how is that still around? It's it's all a bit weird. Yeah. Um, again, it's, again, it's trying to, to appeal to modern audience. So what we did was thinking, well, you wouldn't recover, and therefore, if we were living in that squalor, that sort of Elysium style. That new, um... it's it's bringing a sense of realism to it. It's the fact yeah. that you literally you, the, the resurgence falls down because it keeps that ridiculous light touch, which is just inappropriate post two thousand and one, really. And it also uh, it, it's not realistic. You wouldn't have rebuilt. So that then led us on to the fact that okay, so we've got to keep this slightly darker, realistic tone. Also, arguably, it worked very well with the Batman reboots and and or you know the Nolan Batman. It's not working very well for the. DC kind of universe. It's too, it's too dark, but it's it's taking that more slightly more serious, slightly more somber tone, and then obviously that then led us to the end. In that the issue, the, the reason we went so kind of um, sort of the, the twist ending was that we felt that you know otherwise it just leaves you essentially exactly what resurgence does you just leave it hanging you just leave it oh well the, we've beaten the aliens again what's going to happen there needs to be consequences mm. to this yes. there needs to be there needs well, to be we still injected some form of hope because this is yeah. the kind of film that do that you, you yeah. need we, we were originally with like triumphant film. oh shit this is, you know and, and we kind of wanted it to leave it on very much I think the, the influence we both discussed at the time when we were planning was like Battlestar Galactica that they're basically now left without a home and they're going right, to have this right. ragtag mm. fleet mm. of ships and if they and did want to do a sequel Yes. That would be how it would go on. Yeah. yeah. And at this time, it's kind of our fault. Yeah. And the people who initially saved us, ragtag team, because they weren't working in the perfect harmony that they should have been, much like the idea, like the, the triune we've got with the, uh, you know, Russia, China, and America working together as the three central sort of powers, as it were, and everyone sort of falling in line because there's no alternative. We needed that kind of unity with our lead characters, but there were two set in their ways, too egotistical, again, being the reflection of general, genuine world powers and all those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, and, 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 and tragedy befalls mankind. It's kind of our, not our fault, but our, partly our doing, in and a way. we also wanted as well, because we, one of the things we struggled with was why it was that thing of, okay, so, and again, Resurgence struggles with this, is what, why would the aliens come back again? And we, we went through the idea of maybe a distress call, but then we thought, you know what, it's something you guys picked up on as well. These are the only people that have beaten... The, yeah. the aliens and they're going to be pissed off they're going to mm. want to come back for revenge and that's why we then thought okay so what about you know the ultimate trap being um, that and then again the spectacle idea being well how can we how can we top the spectacle of the first mm. film as well being an issue so we're like well 
what if we don't top it with spectacle? We we maybe equal it with a new kind of spectacle, the kind of space spectacle, which would be easy to do come two thousand eleven mm. uh, and look be good. Different from the audience, but, and then and then you kind of get that, and then maybe the audience might even be, and you know, I know Stuart like talking about energy levels, kind of like oh, on a high, and they kind of, but also it, it, there's you know, we all know it's the we want to do the seven where you're like, hold on a minute, this movie is an hour and forty five in. And this has happened over once. Something doesn't feel right. Like this is mm. something's going. And you get that. Yeah. You get that narrative feeling of what something's going to happen. Well, what's going to happen? Mm. And then having that gut punch that replaces the spectacle of seeing the all the the building destroyed, which you can never do properly again because you've done it already. And it's like, oh shit, they've destroyed the whole world in that. But it, mm. it was also quite an anti climactic way and the, the, the kind of idea is almost like an energy pulse that just basically well, the evaporates mindset the, as well. Yeah, that we literally is it's just a sort of like. It doesn't. It goes out quite quite uh, unceremoniously. With a whimper, not a bang. Yeah, yeah. and also then the idea that as a f- story, we try and establish the fleet as the new Earth. So you worry about that. You worry about the people on that, rather than seeing what's happening to it. Almost as they get the audience to almost uh, trick them into having this new Earth surrogate before they realise it is an it actual is. Earth surrogate. And that's the whole thing that we layer in also with the dialogue with. And obviously, I think it was it was present in there. But like Hiller, really Hiller, kind of secretly wants this like he thinks that it, almost he wants to fight if, he, if he's lost his wife his son doesn't talk to him because he's a scientist who's turned his back on mm. the military and he wants payback yeah and that's a, a, the thing as well that's a really big American military attitude especially in the follow-up, follow-up of 9-11 and feeling I need someone to fight I need a target war on terror yeah. <laughs> and so we had like the, the idea that uh, Independence Day is a bit like <laughs> Vietnam where Americans in the well the, the humans I should say are like the yeah I mean right, the... yeah the, the whole thing with the um, with the, the original Independence Day not to go too on our academic then but like it arguably is a bit like it's a kind of an update Rambo in that it essentially reverses the uh, roles of the Vietnam conflict so you've got the American military who were basically like the aliens the harvesters coming in with the huge military might and there's a ragtag <laughs> resistance that actually mm, beat them right yeah. it, it reverses it reverses that whole thing and that's kind of why it's a popular film because it, it, uh, the, the Vietnam uh, conflict and the loss is still such a huge especially 1996 possibly less so these days because mm. we've got new military failures to kind of be uh, affect the American <laughs> psyche but yeah. at that point it was still quite deep in the American psyche and that's arguably what Rambo does really well is it reverses it uses the tactic he uses the tactics of the Viet Cong against them and arguably in Independence Day do that so we want to kind of Kind playing of, on those ideas playing on those ideas but yeah. updating them and modernising them for that sorry we Hence, rambled a bit there, yeah but, but that's how it gets to the darker feel <laughs> that's how it gets to the darker because it's in people. space it's away from what we know it's made from our comfort zones it's all synthetic environments and it doesn't feel it, it feels like a last ditch hope and possibly even humanity's last stand potentially yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Speaking of tactics, you mentioned the study of wasps and bees a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. um, it's either I saw something I didn't pick up on, or because obviously we're limited by time mm. in the script here. Yes. How was that relevant to what okay, the aliens were doing? Two things. First thing, the wasp and bee thing was uh, just to illustrate the... Well, uh, okay, the way it would progress in the film would be that you'd get a clue uh, that the new alien species was basically the old alien species. There's no, there's no difference between them. It's just like, oh, look, they've invented these autonomous robot things that they can use as well as... The, the drone thing. The drone thing. Yeah. Colonies, right? And yeah, so yeah. the idea that way. But also, it's Independence Day. You're going to have to have some weird 
bullshit analogy that the whole audience <laughs> can go, I like, I like it. Everything you're just like, well, it's Independence Day, so we have to do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's the thing that people, audiences kind of expect in this film. And then kind of like. As dark as it is, we still try to put a lot of personality, well, humour, charm. Yeah, we tried to. I mean, we were joking when we were writing it. We, I was like, I came up with a bit where I was like, and then he'd give him the, he'd give him the, the cigar, cigar and he'd yeah. say, the fat lady would say, I was like, this stuff just writes itself, Matthew. It just writes <laughs> itself. Said, How did they get it so, so wrong? wrong? Yeah. But that's it. Like, you've got to have those little. You've, yeah, you've got right. to have those we little kind of callbacks. We've got those, those yeah. callbacks, and one of those callbacks is the kind of like, and it's almost like, and now for the cheap seats, it's a countdown to when the things are going to fire. Oh my god! And it's yeah. that thing of like, oh my god, we in been... the same way when um, uh, Levinson says, "I gave it a cold," and then explains to a room full of scientists, yeah, yeah, yeah. what a virus what, is. Yeah. Like, don't be fucking stupid. Yeah. So it's so it's, it's, all... it's that. It's like yeah. these are these are kind of less smart drone yeah. things and then they're going to be yeah. led away because also arguably um, also we figure within the thing is that obviously the Harvester aliens are not you know they lost like all of their ships and the mothership they're probably not going to have too many of them so it's a little bit actually they touch on it on the new Gears of War it's the idea that like you know you would uh, you've lost so many people you mechanisation is the obvious way to mm. kind of mm. replenish that in um, an yeah. easy way a boring little side here because uh, Tom and I discussed this and we said and there needs to be a big space battle uh, it's really cleverly orchestrated, and so um, I basically we basically wrote the idea that it's uh, the conflict between uh, Augustus Caesar and um, Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Um, so they, they had a similar horseshoe thing, and they just ran the ships aground. It's like, oh no, it's not working, and they all panicked because they didn't know what they were doing because mm-hmm. Cleopatra went reverse. So it's just the chaos. And like, oh, history. You Thank yeah. you. Thanks, history. <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thanks, history. Another good T-shirt slogan. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big picture of Matt. With the <laughs> yeah, so thanks, history. <laughs> thanks, history. I look like I'm from it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, I will turn over to getting jiggy with ID. Hello. <laughs> um, Hello. The, the two kind of themes, apart from noise and special effects, you touched on. <laughs> obviously, kind of a return of a Cold War kind of theme going on. Yeah. And yeah. hacking being. Kind of yeah, weird, shitty Hollywood hacking, of which yeah. I think Independence Day must be the ultimate example. I'm going to fly up into a fucking alien spaceship with my MacBook, yeah. plug yeah. it in, pseudo-alien. And but, but you guys also made that relevant by turning it into that's the problem with the political situation. You've obviously got the mm. whole Russia hacking Trump thing going mm. on. So Wait, um, is Donald Trump an alien? Is this what you're Nearly, <laughs> he's Woody Allen. <laughs> That, he looks um, like he's made of wood, but yeah, there we go. Um, so you kind of touch on the Cold War thing, and then nothing really happens with that. Mm. And you also kind of touch on the hacking thing, and it's it's a it's. I like that the hacking is kind of a, a way of. I mean, you could have like the cyber warfare as kind of a Cold War thing, but you didn't really tie the two together I in think, any sort of. I think we really just wanted that to be. It's really the grounds for which there is this political tension Mm. that disguises the alien invasion, and then this kind of becomes irrelevant. I think, and then we kill them all because Independence Day. (laughs) Because Because Independence Day, yeah, it really is. I I don't think you can try and be too clever for a film for people who liked Independence Day. (laughs) And I think the problem was (gasps) that's me. It's you, Stuart. The problem. (laughs) The problem was. in an earlier version of this, we we did, and actually, this was yeah. a much more central thing, in that the aliens didn't even use the lasers; they just started firing nukes at each other. Ah, oh, right. And, but hence the we, nuclear disarmament, hence the nuclear disarmament thing, because we thought one, we were just like that goes too dark, yeah. and two, we 
Uh, for where we wanted to go with it. And I was like, yeah. nuclear yeah. weapons, two dark, massive fucking lasers. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> but I think, I think when you laser them, they're dead. It was one of those things where we kind of brought ourselves into a corner because it became, in the event of that, there is nothing to stop it. Yeah. So the yeah. whole planet is going to be toast within like a couple of hours. Yeah. And we just went... Which kind of leads you over to their pitch. Yeah, yeah. And we just <laughs> we just went, well, if we go with the lasers thing and the mm. nuclear disarmament thing, then that gives us a bit more scope to actually do the whole countdown thing and the whole, we've got a limited amount of time, mm. but more time than you would have in yeah. the other scenario. Yeah. I think you we... still get also the whole blowing up buildings. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah. 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 But we felt that actually doing that in a nuclear way was a bit too on the nose because you don't want it to end up being Independence Day threads, which is what <laughs> I really felt we were sort of yeah. started yeah. to get to that point. Yeah, it's interesting how you both your teams have very different ways of calling back to the original. You guys kind of went with the dialogue side of things and the jokey kind of mm. things. You guys went with the more, the action very much mirrors the first one yeah. with the explosion of monuments and stuff, whereas you guys got all deep space stuff. Yeah. Originally um, we had the... Um, <clears throat> orbital system which is turned on Earth turned back again to blow up the mothership. Oh, okay. Which I quite liked from a thematic point of view, yeah. but it, my God, it overcomplicated. It got yeah, very yeah. difficult. And I think especially because of the way we'd established the interplanetary defence system, because yeah. there's all these questions of whether it's in range and everything else, yeah. and then it yeah. just becomes... And then you turn the Earth into the Death Star. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Laser um, moon. <laughs> speaking of um, ships and stuff, the the battle with the mothership. Yeah, where is that happening? Is that near Earth? Is that behind the moon? Is that like it's? How do they get far, there to far, fight the mothership? They get sense? there in an alien spaceship. Right, is how they get there. Um, this was actually something that we did have written in, and then for some reason got taken out. But fair they enough, actually some of the aliens that are part of the resistance have defected from the other, the bad guys. Right. So we've got a couple of <clears throat> One of the three aliens would be one. Ah, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. That, that's so an interesting they, The other two out. The, so the they, thing you mentioned earlier, yeah, yeah. the fact that those three aliens and yeah. what they look like, as long as yeah. there's no Wolfman, yeah. you're right, but... And they will, of course, be hilariously form. referred to as Larry, Curly and Moe. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a Hollywood... But, because Independence Day. Day. <laughs> yeah. But they, the idea was that they would have a stolen cruiser and right. clearance codes right. so that they could get onto Which the ship in the first place. Which is a bit... Turn of the Jedi. Yeah, it is like a Like a Lambda-class shuttle we can all talk <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. So that was the idea, was that they would have the the means to do okay. that. And it's taking place well away from the Earth because you don't want to get to the defence system. Yeah, yeah, You don't yeah, want sure. to... Um, yeah, so there we go. Fair so enough. That that. Kind of the, the final question I have really is, um, you went for Ryan Johnson as director yeah. and as... He does a kind of a bit more grounded kind of feel to his movies. I know, obviously, Looper gets a bit batshit insane at yeah. times, but a lot of his work is literally very grounded. It's very kind of low shots and lots of kind of like um I'm saying that in a room of filmmakers. <laughs> I'm just shaking I'm just camera. I'm just shaking my head right now. I know. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's all right. Um it's all right. And, and Ryan Johnson goes very grounded. Where do you guys go quite bombastic with your giant space cannons and stuff? I, I'm wondering how Johnson He's just come off the back of Star of like, Wars, he'll be fine. Well yeah. Well I think part of it though was question of balance because it's balancing that, that's a good the, point. Yeah, yeah. it's the idea that we wanted this to feel more modern 
and the idea that he does bring something that is mm. a bit more grounded. Yeah, it might stop it getting too crazy. Yeah. You know, go like Joel Schumacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Way we, precisely because we don't want it to feel like a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. We want it to have that. We think, and he is somebody who who is able to bring that to it. And mm. also, I think some of those earliest things, especially with the, the Cold War um, stuff, we wanted that to feel really grounded. Yeah. We wanted to... I think as with what you guys did with yours, we wanted it to feel like this was a world where there had been consequences mm. of what happened in the first film. Giving it some weight. Yeah, which is something that you don't get in Independence Day Resurgence. It feels like a soft reboot yeah. in that way. And, and it just... Yeah. yeah. It, it, it strains the... Uh, it, uh, it, it strains the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. The question of how anybody, absolutely anybody in Independence Resurgence is happy at the start of that film. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking weird. Because <laughs> the death toll is catastrophic. To yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a really Coat weird... Coat Bibble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I know that character's <laughs> name. You know that? Must have been an action figure of him. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. the only yeah. Um, But no, they, again, they, everything's really colourful. Everything's really bright in that film. And I, I, I think the thing about, about the darkness in films, you've gone for... Um, obviously, we went for a very literal visceral darkness. You guys have gone for a bit of a gritty uh, modern darkness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in ten, ten yeah. So, I guess it comes down to me to also make the But wait, I wish to throw in a curveball. Oh, <gasps> what? I wish to propose a splinter team, which we will call Getting Jiggy with Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to take, uh, give you an idea of my original idea okay. for the Independence Day thing, which Alec vetoed vetoed for the pathetic reason that it's rubbish. (laughs) Right. Oh, God. (laughs) I can't believe... Okay, This is is an I can't take you anywhere moment. Yes, that is correct. If it's about time dilation, because we did that, and we said, no, 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 no. But um, go ahead. So, basically... I wanted to make a kind of anti-independence day. <laughs> and I wanted to dilute <laughs> it as much as possible. Oh, no. right? So I had a couple of thought processes for that. And so I ended up with Independence Day Revenge. May 2016. Directed by Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. Um, it would be bringing back uh, Jeff Goldblum, Will Smith, Mae Whitman, Brent Spiner, blah, 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 blah. Also adding to the cast, Earth President Michael Ironside. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, Colonel Carl Jenkins, played by Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Captain Johnny Rico, played by Casper Van Dien. So, what has happened is, um, basically, Verhoeven is soft-rebooting Starship Troopers into Independence Day. So, 20 years on from the original film, um, Earth has come together, but in a very bad way, in the sense that there is literally a fascistic industrial military complex running the whole planet. Everything is like in, in uh, Starship Troopers. They're the all space Nazis. Nazis. Yes, yeah. that is exactly yeah. it. Yeah. They're all space Nazis. And on the 20th anniversary of the attack, they go and attack the alien homeworld out of pure spite. <laughs> because so it's kind of Ender's Game and yeah, Starship. Exactly. Game. There was a hint of Ender's Game in this. I would, yeah. I would like to point out like that... Ashen's um, game. Stuart, Stuart, Stuart Ashen's views are his own. <laughs> and do not represent the views yeah. of uh, getting jiggy with ID. Um, <laughs> yes, this is an independent Even movie. though he yeah. is still very it's much... It's an independent Independence Day. Yes. Incidentally, I can't yeah. stop here. Yeah, this get, is, this get, is your independence day. Yes, yes. <laughs> You've 
own way to do that for fucking years. <laughs> he would not go quietly into the night. He would not go down no. without a fight. He, he wouldn't. He wouldn't tell me he was planning to do this either. So. No. So they literally launched an attack on the alien humble, even though it's clear that the aliens were like, "Fuck, we're not going back to them." No, it's not for that. Subtitled. So, yes, exactly. Yeah. Literally, they had it written on T-shirts. No. Yeah, so um, all the thing, go literally decimate the alien homeworlds, take the big alien queen and basically use it as a sort of horrifying propaganda tool. And then by the end of it, Earth is actually actively looking for other planets to go and colonise. So at the end of it, the Earth has basically turned into the aliens from the first Independence Day. Please. Is the the alien queen a sexy queen? (laughs) She is now. (laughs) It feels like it was going to be a sexy queen that they'd be starring Rihanna (laughs) (laughs) I'd buy that for a dollar. (laughs) The thing is, whilst these were nice ideas for an Independence Day sequel, I would never want to see an Independence Day sequel. (laughs) But I'd fucking watch that because it's an (laughs) anti-sequel. I'd fucking watch that. Another t-shirt slogan. Um, I really wanted to do a crossover with something just to get away from Independence Day. (laughs) So my first idea was, as I said before recording, Men in Black. But of course there's the massive problem of Will Smith (laughs) being in both (laughs) of them anyway. And another... I nearly went with uh, 21 Jump Street <laughs> so it would actually be like one of the um, things at the end that would yeah. be amazing if you 21 Jump Street crossover I'd yeah. like that yeah yeah. So an ID423 jump street? It's an ID4 <laughs> jump street. ID4 jump street, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we are. Why not? So that's that. So uh, please award your award to that one. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I- I'm sorry, Stuart. I'm not sure if I can allow you to get a point by yourself. That's, that's fair. <laughs> that is fair. As much yeah. as I love Starship <laughs> Dependence Day, <laughs> it is truly... Bizarre, and I I am just fueled by your hatred of that film. I'm mm. fascinated. Anyway, anyway, I need to render my verdict. Mm. Yes, and um, I think the street sharks yeah, take it for this week. Street sharks. I would like invented their own winning wave. They can the, never win again. For the <laughs> listeners at home, just so you know, Tom was waving his hand. <laughs> On his head, like, like a fin. So, so, so was Matt. Matt. They so both did it. things. Yeah. I, I don't think it was coordinated. I think it was just a special it's what like, we do. telekinetic it's moment between the two of you. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. you are well done. Now three, two up as of episode five. Well, congratulations. Odd number, so it's... it's yeah. Yeah. I really like the, the deep space kind of thing. Taking it as far away from Earth as possible is a, a twist in it. I, I kind of was worried that you guys were blowing up monuments again and that kind of thing. And I, mm. I really liked the kind of Cold War hacking thing, as I said before. That that mm. twist on it is interesting. But I like what you guys did and that you kind of referenced the original a little bit and did some of the, like, ah, oh, cheesy dialogue, yeah, whatever. It, fuck it, it's Independence Day kind of thing. <laughs> but went darker and went more... I would maybe argue that possibly Ryan Johnson is a better director for your movie yeah, and like yeah. swap directors yeah. or something like that we can sit um, down and begin to negotiate that so. yeah, yeah. yeah we can make that happen yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll call Mr Johnson and see Ooh. how he feels I, li- I like the twist at the end kind mm. of saw it coming yeah. but yeah it's Independence Day I think that's yeah. valid though you can't get too clever because then it wouldn't feel like no. an Independence exactly. Day exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, and the fact that you kind of have this kind of basically post-apocalyptic world afterwards this is completely wiped out nuclear bunker style 
I'm imagining like this is the lead up to like Fallout or something like that. Yeah, we right? we actually and talked about Pacific Rim being quite a good kind of visual, the, gauge, the visual gauge in that sort of yeah devastation. Congratulations, welcome to Street Sharks. Thank you. So since you are the winners, I'll let you guys start off. Matthew Stockton, how can the wonderful listeners follow you on the interwebs? If uh, you go to uh, cheesemint.com, you can find our filmmaking stuff. If you'd like to read film reviews, you go to theredrighthand.co.uk. Uh, alternatively, you go to Twitter and type in S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can look at my tweets, which, again, I link to all the stuff anyway, so you can find it there. I uh, am super busy running a production company and we make uh, sort of commercials and content and stuff and films uh, and therefore don't have a personal Twitter but do have a production company Twitter if you like ramblings about cameras and behind the scenes set stuff. So we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram all on at madebyforward. Mr. Alec Plowman, how about you sir? You can find me on Twitter, I am Alec underscore Plowman. Uh, you can find me at my website, which is www.alecbyman.com, <laughs> which, as I hasten to add, has been updated three times this Fuck, I'm, oh, going, on I'm going on that now. Let's get this. Let's blow even, the server it's up. even got a new banner. Oh, my because God. Because I was so embarrassed. it was uh, last done in uh, 2004. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. have a question. How many sharks are on this website? <laughs> Not enough. I didn't give a shit about sharks until we started doing this. <laughs> I was afraid of sharks. I don't even like the streets. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, but my website actually has updated stuff on it. Now, seriously, when I checked it, I realised the last thing I'd posted was my thoughts on the death of David Bowie, which tells you that it was a That's long not that long. That's not that long. I was bad. expecting 2007. And Stuart, how can people follow you on the internet? I am Ashens. I am Reviews. I am YouTube. I am Love God. Hear me roar! <laughs> He does this. <laughs> he's really fired up. See, in this when you when you when you when you started saying that, I was like, please, oh, he's going for it. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I was just going to be, I am Ashens. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> stop. Done. You can follow me. I'm at JLW Chambers on basically everything. Um, you can follow the show. We're at Sequelizers on Twitter, and you can email us with your thoughts and comments at Sequelizers at Gmail dot com. So for episode six. Mm. We are going to be talking about a film that's not necessarily the worst. Once again, not necessarily the worst in the series, but certainly the root of the problem. Mm. Where the rot set in. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. In, in, in a lot of ways, literally, in that series. Mm. Yeah. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. That is the second film yes. in the yeah. soon-to-be eight million films in that series. <laughs> in the ever-increasingly inaccurate Pirates oh. of the Caribbean trilogy. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. The, the half a film that came after... The um, trilogy of the, five. My fa- it, of it, it remains one of my favourite reviews ever, where it was described as The Matrix Reloaded with Starfish, which I think is oh. just such a great <laughs> review. Uh, oh, stay yeah. to me... Say with me to this day, it's just being one of the greatest. And you reviews. guys are going to try and fix it. Oh, Good luck. I'll give you a clue. There's a fuck ton of sharks in it. <laughs> <laughs> and streets. Yeah.